It happened, Kaylee. Alexis, it's time. It finally happened. The so guest star. Many. <laughs> yes. I mean, it was. it's just reference after reference after reference to this guy throughout the show. And then, boom, he shows up as a character. And it's uh, amazing and astounding. And I forgot it was him until, like, a couple weeks ago or last week or whatever when you were like, oh, yeah, we got a really big guest star coming up soon. And I was just like, oh! <laughs> it was so funny. He had so many beautiful, like, it's going to stop you in your tracks scene-stealing moments. It was mm-hmm. so good. Oh, yeah. His lines are just, I mean, hilarious. Like, the, he plays this character His delivery. So well. <laughs> If you don't know what we're talking about, please, please run, don't walk, and watch episode 13 of season four. This is going to be fun. Yeah, and I mean, I guess you could just keep listening to the podcast if you want to know what we're talking about, because don't worry, we're going to get there very soon. Uh, In that note, should we start the podcast? It's showtime. This is To To the the Blueberry! I am Alexis and I'm a real life Gus. I'm Kaylee and I'm the real life Sean. Together we make a real life best friend duo who decided to start a podcast so we had a good reason to chat with each other once a week and we're uh, podcasting about our favorite show, Psych. So instead of starting a psychic detective agency, we just started a podcast and that's how we get to hang out. Uh, uh yeah. <laughs> Although we could have started a fake psychic detective agency. I think we're both pretty reliable and people would have believed us. Yeah. No, I, uh, if I'm prepared, I, I, I bet I could lie. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, recordings episode, as Kaylee said, is season four, episode 13, death is in the air. And like we so often do, we start with a flashback. Now, this one is a little bit later. This one's a 1989 flashback. Um, And Mm -hmm. I just wrote that, like, we're brought into it with, like, funky music. It's really like... Uh, But but there's no funkiness going on. Henry is hosing down Sean. Literally getting the hose on him. It's... Yeah. Well, baby Sean says it best. It's humiliating. He's in his yard in a baby pool getting hosed. We find out that Sean has lice. But Henry says that he's the only kid in school who's gone home with lice. To which I say, bullcrap. There's never just one. This guy got it from somebody. I tend to agree with you, except for Sean did say that he had been playing with the squirrel with the foamy mouth lately. Which is... Much more of a rabies reference than a lice reference, but meh. Also, um, Sean's complaining about the bad shampoo, and Henry says uh, it's worse to be unclean, which, again, lice love a clean head because they move around easier, so it's not because Sean was dirty. He was just exposed to it. Right. That's one of the things that As Told by Ginger taught me when I was a teen. (laughs) That, I remember that you actually yeah like the cleaner your head is the more likely you are to get lice they love that and i'm just like i i have been very lucky never to get lice in my life and it is uh it is hard because just one kid can start an outbreak which is what henry tells sean yes they actually use that word this comes up a lot um mm-hmm. sean asks what an outbreak is, and Henry explains it's when an illness is passed around and it becomes widespread. Uh, trigger warning, there's a lot of talk about this in this episode, uh, illnesses becoming widespread. So if you were personally victimized by the pandemic, just be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> because... Yeah, this might be a this might be a rough episode. It's a post-2020 uh, it's, it's ahead world. of its time. <laughs> yeah. The things that could pass around the, 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 not the virus here, but the lice would be like touching or sharing hats or sharing items or something. And Sean says Sean like goes, a comb? Why would you ask that, Sean? Because I used yours this morning. And then Henry starts itching his head. And he's like, oh, and, oh, and I just wrote hopeless Henry. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I imagine there were a lot of parents, or there have been a lot of parents who have gone through that very scenario. Oh, I I was the victim of and the perpetrator of an a lice outbreak uh, in my elementary school. I caught it from someone, and I didn't know I had it, and I went to a party. And girl, I know oh. I passed that thing around at the party. But like, I don't yeah. know who gave it to me, so maybe you know someone else was there doing the same thing. It was bad. Uh, the treatment is not fun, and I did get all my hair chopped off just because it was easier to make sure that my affliction was done after that. <laughs> In the present day, we are at a convenience store, and this, like, maybe drunk lady stumbles in. I wrote fancy dress lady, convenience store, stumbling, drunk question mark, because the clerk checks his watch like, it's a bit early. Yeah. We kind of just see that scene and then immediately cut to Sean and Gus on a walk and talk. I wrote that too. Um, Gus is mad about a, the smell of Sean's breakfast burrito and says, I don't know if those nacho cheese corn nuts of your, you used to eat or that burrito smell worse. smell worse. Sean says, let's find out and pulls out some nacho cheese corn nuts. And Gus is like, man, what is going on with you? Stinky food. He's wearing a sports ball hoodie. Like, it's just like, he's digressing. <laughs> he is single, and he's doing everything he couldn't do when he was with Abigail. I just wrote, he's doing all the things good boyfriends can't, or won't, or don't. Which is why I'm TiVoing Blame It On Rio as we speak. I did look this up, but now I don't remember. I just know that it's a kind of gross movie where Michael Caine and... Demi Moore is playing his daughter and he and his buddy are being gross men going through a midlife crisis. It's real stupid. Oh, that does sound gross. Um, anyway. But more importantly, the best ringtone of all time is back. And Gus is like, it, don't tell me it's... Rump shaker. Rex and effects, shake your rump. All I want to do is I'm a boom, 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 bada, doom, boom. Just shake your rump. <laughs> so... I like it. Gus is just disgusted and thinks that Sean is disgusting. And Sean is like, oh yeah, then why did I just put some more art on the wall? Um, it's a poster of a half-naked woman on a car that has a license plate that says hauling ass. There we go. I'm just like, Ew, That's not what? art, Sean. It's not art. Yeah. Enter Juliet. And she can smell something. And it's very obviously Sean. <laughs> she says, why does it smell like an old diaper? And... This is the point where my husband looked over as I was watching this because Sean just like chucks his burrito behind him and is like, I have no idea. Anyway, what's up? And I just wrote giggles. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is such a clever form of physical comedy that I don't see enough anymore. And so I really, really enjoyed that scene. But uh, Juliet is there because she is meeting Richard from forensics for maybe a date. Richard with the, uh, the, uh, uh, and Juliet says, ears. And Sean is like, what are you talking about? I would never reference that physical feature of his. Just call me Mr. Non-Judgmental. Uh, Sean is very obviously jealous. And Juliet can kind of tell, and it's like, you know what? I'm not worried about it. I'm gone. And there's a whole reference we've skipped. Is there? Is it to the, the cab with the doors open? No, Gus. Uh, when Sean oh. says, "Just call me Mr. Non-Judgmental," Gus says he also goes by Mr. Dabalina, and Sean says Bob Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina. So it's a it's a double reference because that's a name repeated in a monkey's song by Peter Tork. Uh, it's the song Zilch, but he's probably not making the reference to the monkeys because that's not really his like re pop culture um, era. Mm -hmm. He's probably referencing the reference, the sampling of that song essentially in the Dell and the Funky Homo Sapien song because that's like more his era. And if he's got Shake Your Rump as a ringtone, it's yeah. Yeah. I had to look this okay. up. I did not know this on my own, but I was like, Bob Dabalina, that's got to be something. That's too random. <laughs> I'm happy you caught that because I did not even write it down. But yes, Jules is running late leaves. Gus says John's super jealous. 
Sean says, that guy, if he, he looks like a cab with his doors open. <laughs> so he is referencing the ears, Mr. Non-Judgmental. Gus can see right through it. And he starts kind of talking to Sean in what Sean later calls his, I'm not falling for no banana in my tailpipe, white person voice. <laughs> which says, is a reference to Beverly Hills Cop. I was going to say, yeah. Um, Gus says man, do something. It's not like you guys are getting any younger. And uh, Sean says, don't worry, guy who uses words like keen. There's plenty of time for me and Jules. Also, he is not getting younger, but his hair is getting thicker. (laughs) And the scene ends in a very gross line of, I have seeds to sow. Oh, ew. Yeah. I know. I didn't even write that down. I'm like, no. Yeah. Uh, But all of this is important. It's, it's important to remember it that. It does come back. Pin. Sean believes that there's plenty of time. So in the psych office, there's a sleeping weirdo. <laughs> I wrote maybe a drunk guy in the office. Um, hungover, reeks. Please help me. I don't have a lot for this part. <laughs> well, the dude's name is Donnie Lieberman. You might recognize him from It Takes Two. The Mary Kay Nashley movie where he plays Mr. Buckkiss who likes to collect foster kids. So I have him down because I recognized him from Two of a Kind, which was an another Mary Kate Nashley TV show where he played a student of one of his of his dad of the dads. Oh wow. Repeat yeah. character actor. How did we have different Mary Kate <laughs> Nashley Olsen references there? That's hilarious. That's so funny. But yeah, he's a very famous character actor. He's shown up in everything. I'm pretty sure he was in Harriet the Spy. Like, I mean. (laughs) Yeah. Ernie Grunwald, if I didn't say his name. Um, But he's not the big guest star. He's just a a good character actor that we recognized. Dude still smells like tequila from last night. And Sean is just, and he says, I really messed up. I messed up so big. And Sean goes, it's not your fault. Oh, thank goodness. Why would why do you why do you think that? I don't know. People say that in movies all the time, and then it seems seems like things just magically get fixed after that. The dude transports biomedical material from the lab. His his goal was to take it from the lab at Genutech to the CDC headquarters this morning. He was supposed to pick a cooler up last night, stay at the airport by the hotel, or sorry, stay at the hotel by the airport, and then fly it to the headquarters. Uh, yeah, fly to Atlanta, but um, he made a mistake. He went out that night and partied, and then when he woke up this morning, his cooler was gone. The whole night's a blur because he drank way too much, to which Sean says, it's not your fault. Gus is like, Sean, what was in the cooler? They ask, right, what was in the cooler, and he said, the Thornburg virus? And um, Sean says... What does this have to do with Richard Chamberlain? And Gus is like, not the thorn birds, Thornburg. It's a rare disease often found in Africa, which makes it racist. There's some sort of STI reference that I didn't exactly catch all of, but basically Donnie is really hoping that they can help him find the virus before it gets loose so he can just return it to the CDC and we'll know, no one will ever be the wiser. Yeah, I just wrote, um, there's a Pulp Fiction reference that Sean makes, and then Donnie uh, is asked by Gus if anything else uh, was missing, and Donnie said, yeah, my antique watch given to me by my father, which is another Pulp Fiction reference. Oh my god, that was difficult. Oh. <laughs> because That um, is another movie I've never seen. The name that Sean said earlier, um, I, I can't even remember it now. Um, but it's Bruce... Bob, Bob, Bob DeLucas? No, in this know. scene. In this scene, he made a oh, reference. Okay. Um, and it's the character Oh, Richard name... Chamberlain. No, 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 no. The character <sighs> name of Bruce Willis in Pulp Fiction. Um, anyway, and we... then that character has an antique watch from his father in that movie. So, like, it's... It, we could cut this whole part out, but there's a pop, multiple Pulp Fiction references. They want to know what would happen if whatever is in that cooler gets out. And Donnie says that um, if someone should touch the virus, the contents of the vial, it will begin to move very fast. 
it causes a lot of symptoms including even bleeding from the eyes yeah headache weakness bleeding sometimes from the eyes so we go back to that convenience store that we got a glimpse of earlier and then we see this lady stumbling around and it's really annoying the clerk and he's like, hey lady, and then she looks up and then she collapses and then she's bleeding from the eyes. Full opening credits. We've had a lot of full opening credits this season. We have. At the convenience store, the entire brigade is there. Sean comes in with Gus and immediately says, Dude, we should come back here and hang out with our skateboards. Jules is like, Wow, I have never seen you guys get to a crime scene this fast. That's because there has never been one with a grape slushy machine in the back. <laughs> we should come here and hang out with our skateboards. Is that a clerk's reference? You know what? I don't know. I only ever watched that movie once because yeah. I felt like I had to. Yeah, okay. That, that, that would be my reference to it as well, so it's okay. I'm going to say it is. If you uh, think I'm wrong, please let me know by emailing us at totheblueberrypodcast at gmail.com. Lassie thinks she's a, quote, junkie. He, okay, <laughs> this bothers me so much, but is very realistic. Gus is like, is it true she was bleeding from the eyes? And Lassie said, no ID either, probably just a junkie. And I was like, oh my God, rude and dismissive. Like that means it's not upsetting that a person is dead now like excuse you yeah. police officer excuse you that's that's a hundred percent why i i said it the way i did i despise that line of thinking Ugh. they're a human being whether or not they happen to be using drugs like you don't need to treat them with that sort of disrespect yeah disrespect based on like where they find themselves in their lives when they pass what they do for a job like it just you can't write someone off for any of those reasons but blech. here's the best part we find out later she absolutely is not a junkie um and so i just wanted to put that out there <laughs> so okay so um the uniforms are about to go check her out and sean stops them and she he's like hey hey maybe uh maybe don't touch it I'm thinking it was the Thornbirds virus. Well, he's, he says, I don't know if maybe it's a Pavlovian brain freeze from the slushy machine back there, or yes, something, I'm getting Thornbirds virus. And Jules just looks so confused. Like she moves her head a lot in confusion. Mm -hmm. um, so then Gus is like, don't you mean perhaps Thornburg virus? Juliet uh, is like, oh, I've never, I've never even heard of a case of that in the United States. Gus says that's because there's not enough black people. Racist virus. Sean suggests that there is no touchy without those, quote, big cumbersome Stay Puff outfits. Do you mean hazmat suits? Stay Puff outfits is better. I just want everyone to know. <laughs> Jules, Lassie please don't make up words. Lassie is like, we cannot pretend that there is a virus here just because you saw Outbreak last night. What? I saw that movie once, 10 years ago, and I... I couldn't even get through the first 21 minutes. He has an irrational fear of Patrick Dempsey. It is not irrational. Have you seen Grey's Anatomy? That man is terrifying. And then Juliet goes, you're just jealous of his hair. Well, there's that. Like, Sean doesn't <laughs> even deny it. <laughs> I love that. Lassie is so dismissive and Juliet's like, wait a second. Step away from that body. Better safe than sorry. She's like, we're not taking any chances. I'm going to call the CDC. Sean sees that, in fact, the woman on the ground has on the antique gold watch that D Donnie had told them about earlier. I just want to say something weird is happening this episode. We've, we've devolved a little bit. Lassie is not taking anything Sean uh, divines seriously anymore. Like, usually he's, like, trying to be dismissive, but lands on the better safe than sorry he is just on a roll of being an ass this episode so i have a theory about this it is 100 percent me making it up um so that i can so that i can understand why this is happening in the episode now that sean is no longer with abigail his personal maturity levels are going down as we can tell by the corn nuts and the sports ball sweatshirt that he's wearing. And Lassiter, as a, as a person who observes everything for a living, notices that Sean's maturity has dropped. And so his respect for Sean has also dropped a little bit. 
Oh, like, okay, so not, mm, mm. Okay, I like this theory, though, because... And this theory works as other things happen. Yeah. And... Also, because... (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like, these guys want an equilibrium, so if any one of them is at an extreme then the other is a foil who has to balance them out. Now, if they're Mm -hmm. both reaching an even keel, then they can kind of find an equilibrium. But, like, if one goes up, one goes down. Like, yeah, because they're a balance for each other. So, ooh, ooh, I like this. I also think that um, I know it's a a visual television show device uh, for us, the viewers, the audience, but... And we'll come to this not too long from now. But when we see flashbacks in this show for scenes from which the boys weren't there, like, you know how we get our psych out flashbacks, like our little snippets for Sean sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. But we also get them for other characters sometimes, even if they're seeing the wrong stuff. I think when we see... Oh, yeah, because we had a Lassie flashback pretty, pretty recently. Yeah. So I think when these things happen... Sean's seeing that too. Like that's my theory. He it's his psychic. <laughs> He's seeing the 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 past scenes, and so he gets like a better feel for the case than you know other people. That's I'm gonna go with it. It's part of my theory that he's actually psychic. At the psych office, Donnie is there, and they show him a picture of the woman who happened to die in the convenience store, and he just doesn't recognize her. He's like, oh my god, is she dead? The tequila, it turned me into Ted Bundy. No, no, the tequila did not turn you into Ted Bundy. <laughs> Calm down. She was wearing your watch. I think that proves that she's a thief. She probably also took your cooler. He starts to have a panic attack and Sean's uh, Sean's system for taking him down a notch is to give him a piece of, quote, delicious gum. Explosion of flavor. It works. It's such a weird, like, way to get delicious into the episode, but okay. <laughs> Donnie looks again. He's like, I was drinking with her. He Then Donnie starts to have these little flashbacks that we see. And uh, he was drinking with her and eating chicken katsu. And there were a ton of tiki torches around them. There were also a ton of... Pineapples. Pineapples. So as soon as the flashback starts to come into focus, there's an out-of-focus pineapple that you can see once it focuses. It's kind of behind uh, the girl that he's focusing on. And then, oh, there's I think there's also a, a little dish, like a bowl sitting there with a little pineapple decal, like it's like sideways. I didn't see either of those. I did not see the one until um, they get to the bar later. Yeah, well, not even later, but like the very next scene. So they're walking into the hotel bar and Donnie's like, how can you be sure? And Sean is like, I'm never wrong. And (laughs) they're walking right by a wooden pineapple sitting on a little shelf, like half wall, as he's saying this. That's the one I saw. And then Gus says, also, this is the bar at your hotel. So... Everything works out because the bartender there recognizes him as the Rainbow Man. Yeah, he goes, I got something to yours. And when he goes to reach for it, the boy's like, no, 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 no. And he just brings out this like rainbow Afro wig. Just to keep the uh, pineapples alive, Sean requests a club soda with three pineapple wedges. And then he makes a cocktail reference because he wants uh, the bartender to do a little dance and introduce him to Elizabeth Shue. And if you can get the hippie hippie shake going, flip a few glasses and introduce me to Elizabeth Shue, there's an extra fiber in it for you. Okay, so during this whole next conversation, Sean and Gus are having a struggle over these tiny hula girls that are like sitting on the bar. And Sean will keep moving them. Gus will move them back. And then Sean will grab another one and move that one. And then they talk to the bartender about the woman and that was with our buddy Donnie. Uh, Rainbow Man at the bar. He remembers the hot brunette and the tequila and the 20 shots of tequila. 20 shots of tequila. That better not have just been for Donnie. Those better have been split because (laughs) 10 is still enough to get you in the hospital with alcohol poisoning. Her name was Ginger. And Gus is like, cool, where do we go from here? Sean knows where they went. 
We go upstairs to Donnie's hotel room. Donnie goes, I brought her back to my room? I never do that. Is it possible that I have game? Long story short, it's a no. Sean finds absolutely no evidence that there was any kind of sexy shenanigans going on. One half of the bed is slept in. The other half is completely made up. Um, There's a napkin with a smooch on it by the bed. Mm -hmm. So it's like a kiss off note, looks like. A swack, if you will. A swack. Sean says that he believes that she was a sex worker because all gingers happen to be sex workers except Ginger Rogers and Ginger from Gilligan's Island. In fact... Sean is now revising his opinion on the latter, and yes, yes, now he is sure. She was a filthy pirate hooker. You know, that's right. (laughs) That's not me, for the record, saying that. That's what Gus said. Sean believes that... Nope. Yeah, Sean believes that Donnie was a target, a targeted hit for this uh, working girl. Her job was to knock him out and rob him because Donnie has another little flashback where he remembers telling... Ginger, all about this cool cooler and how everything in it was super valuable. And then um, Rump Shaker starts again. Yeah, it's a call. It's a call from Jules. I just wrote ringtone, Jules. They've confirmed that the the woman Jennifer Concedis did die of Thornburg. Sean tells her that if he see if she sees a cooler to steer clear. Uh, Juliet did not find a cooler, but she found ten thousand dollars in a fresh envelope uh, at the place that they were at, not Donnie's. Oh, and then she also finds a hotel room key to El Capitan, room 128. Yeah, Sean and Gus are currently in room 106 with Donnie, so 128 is really close by. In room 128, the boys find a box of latex gloves. Um, Gus says, because he calls down to the front desk, that the room was registered to one Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. So this is this is a really big reference, one that will continue to be made. But um, and he paid entirely in cash. Sean sees a bag from a place called Coffee with Attitude in the trash, and he's like, "Well, I guess that's uh, the next place we're going." So we go to Coffee. <laughs> Lassie, Juliet, and Donnie are all on their way to the coffee shop. And Juliet puts Lassiter in his place. Because Lassiter is big mad. He thinks this whole, like, little interlude is a waste of time. And Jules is like, well, you were already wrong once today. Oh, the shade. There's a reference to that followed by Sean saying, I'd like her to put me in my place. Because Gus is like, I've never seen that. And Gus is like, it was hot. (laughs) (laughs) So we arrive at the coffee As Sean walks up to the door. Yes. He looks inside and he sees a broken vial laying on the floor of the coffee shop. So he finds a broom, grabs it, runs it through the door handle to basically trap everyone inside. A guy comes to the door and he asks to be left out, let out, and Sean just goes, you better get comfortable because you're not going anywhere for a while. In the next scene, Buzz! We get Buzz! He says, uh, the CDC is almost done with the scene. Everyone who we know and love who was on that walk and talk towards the coffee shop is now experiencing an outdoor shower scrub down. But only Lassie is mad about it. (laughs) Donnie is also in the shower and tries to introduce himself to Lassiter by saying, I'm Donnie Lieberman. I'm the guy who screwed all this up. I'm not big on nude handshakes, says Lassiter and refuses to grasp Donnie's hand over their little shower stations. Gus is in the shower, Lassie's in the shower, Juliet's in a shower, and Sean is in a shower, and Sean is even washing his hair. Are you shampooing your hair? Yes, I always carry a little baby shampoo, Johnson & Johnson, in my wallet. Juliet goes, baby shampoo? No more tears, Jules. (laughs) (laughs) Gus is uh, in the shower because he's like, Listen, today I was have I started chasing around a sex worker, and now I'm hanging out in a parking lot naked. Sean says, Gus, don't be Nick Cage's accent from Con Air. Sean is really enjoying his shower. Juliet also seems to be enjoying her shower quite a bit. 
Lassiter still is, is Very not. much not, yes. So everybody who was in the coffee shop got quarantined and moved to um, Santa Barbara General Hospital. This was the hospital we were in for the episode Truer Lies, or as you might know it from our podcast, Lion Ryan. Oh. Yeah. So Thank you for using our reference because I don't know that I would have remembered what that show was <laughs> called, like what that episode was called. So next we're going to go to the hospital, yeah. Yeah, Gus is cold because they're just in scrubs and he's like, hey, can I have your sweatshirt? Sure, of course. And so Gus puts on the, the cord nut sweatshirt <laughs> and um, we, we get Lassiter kind of walking in and introducing himself to the expert. And the expert is Dr. Steven Reinman, a.k.a. Judd freaking Nelson. Oh, my God. I paused it here to take some notes. And Levi looked over and I said, that's the guy from Breakfast Club. And he went, (gasps) (laughs) I think my favorite Judd Nelson reference to this point is at the reunion episode where instead of his class picture, Sean is just wearing a picture of Jed Nelson from the Breakfast Club as his name tag. And Abigail repeatedly references that he is Jed Nelson in that episode. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I, somebody pulled some crazy strings to get him I think to, to guest start on this episode. I think if he was aware that he was made reference to so violently in this show, it would have been like a fun time. Like, can you imagine? Oh. I mean, I would be, of course, but I'm also not Judd freaking Nelson. So, <laughs> Jules says he is the foremost authority on the Thornburg virus, and he's here to help us. And Sean is like, oh, really? How can we be so sure that he is legit? For starters, I carry around one of these in my pocket. And, and he pulls out a stethoscope. And Sean is like, he is legit. Gus is worried because... This virus is a profiling racist, and he believes that he is at most risk of getting this virus. No one, I, I need to point out that no one in this scene, including the health professionals, ever denies that this virus is a profiling racist. Yep. Um. <laughs> Sean wants mac and cheese. I don't know why I put that in the reference, but I did. I want mac and cheese. The hospital was prepared the hospital started getting prepared for this um as soon as they heard that the virus was missing only two people currently are showing symptoms of the virus it's likely that they have actually touched it because it does not spread well as an aerosol yes you must either touch the axe for men (laughs) which is very effective as an aerosol um there are some weird looks (laughs) when he says this but to get this virus, you would have had to have touched the virus itself or the infected secretions of someone who has it. Um, there's a lab less than two hours away, and they've sent over the antiviral um, because it's it's proved um, to have positive results in clinical tests. The sample that they had uh, has been completely used, so the disaster is adverted. Um, Everything is good, except for Lassie's hair. Yeah, speaking of disasters, what is your professional opinion about this man's hair? If he were to grow it, his ears wouldn't stick out as much. Jules says, is it safe to interview the people who were at the cafe? Yes, but only in a hazmat suit. Now, before we move on, we we quickly kind of skimmed over some of of uh, Dr. Reidman's funny lines, Although we said that, like, he just pulls a stethoscope out and he uses that as proof that he's an actual doctor and that he just straight up make a, makes a reference to Axe for Men as a good form of aerosol. Oh, that was Sean. Oh. In response really? to the virus not being a good aerosol, Sean was like, as opposed to Axe for Men, which is highly effective. <laughs> They're all in hazmat suits and Sean and Gus are spacewalking because why would they not be? Yeah, I wrote astronaut play. So they visit a very pretty lady named Melissa, and we get a Gus, hello. They ask her if she saw anyone suspicious at the the coffee shop, and she said no. We do a little bit more chit-chatting. We find out she's single, and then the ringtone goes off. It's in Sean's back pocket, and he asks Gus to punch him in the ass, and Gus is like, what? No. And he's like, come on, sock me in the butt. (laughs) (laughs) They go to the next patient, and 
Sean asks him if he's taking any medication and and lists off two that are specifically for balding. Yes, Rogaine or the generic name for Rogaine. I'm like, no. Gus uh, starts to smell ask? something. He says, Sean, Sean, there's a bulge in your sweatshirt. Those corn nuts are on here. <laughs> Gus is ready to take the suit off because he doesn't want to deal with the smell. But basically, they get nothing from questioning that guy. And then they see the antivirals arrive from Genutech. And Sean makes note that the antivirals also came from the same lab that the virus came from. Hmm. They head to Genutech to that lab, and Sean sees a guy in a lab coat and immediately goes, It's Christopher Lloyd! That is not Christopher Lloyd, Sean. Show some respect. He's 14 times, he's 14 times smarter than you. <laughs> So, um, Gus is talking to the guy about this whole outbreak thing. The guy is like, you know, we had the antivirals, but we actually ended up shipping everything that we had because it ended up that they needed four times what they had estimated to treat the people who had Thornbirds. Thornbird. And not only that, they sent it all because even though two people were showing symptoms, they decided to dose everybody just in case. So they just sent it all over. The next thing he slips is that the lab is actually being shut down. They aren't really receiving any more funding. Yeah, so they're not making any more. Um, because they don't believe that Thornburg is a virus. No, they don't. Be- or he's a threat. <laughs> So because it was it's actually, racist and there aren't enough black people. Well, they shut it down a week ago. So they aren't making and haven't been making more antiviral. And um, and Sean makes another Back to the Future reference, but I, I just wrote Back to the Future reference. And so their funding was pulled with the people getting sick from Thornburg. He's like, this is kind of good news for our lab and at, at least for Dr. Mallon. So they do a little sidebar. And Sean wants to know about radioactive spiders. But also, they're like, oh my god, Malin totally has motive. Because if they got shut down, but then the virus got released, they would have to reopen, get more funding, make more antiviral. To, to make more antivirals, yeah. So Sean and Gus are like, hey, can we look through his stuff? Because there's a box of Dr. Malin's stuff sitting there. And they find a picture and said immediately and they find a picture, and it's the greasy guy from the cafe. The balding guy, yeah. Sean calls Juliet, and uh, Juliet's freaking out. That second guy who tested positive for Thornburg, Bergs for the virus, um, has broken out of the, the hospital. Let's see. They have a theory. Oh, my God. Um, Sean says, well... It's going to be okay. We're lucky that he only had one vial of the virus and he used that up. And then the Christopher Lloyd guy weighs in and he's like, no, no, we sent three vials in that cooler. That means that there's two more vials out there and Dr. Maland is missing. So we go to the SBPD and Lassie is, um, well, he's, he's pissing off O'Hara. He's encroaching on her taking point on this case because... She's been right at every turn and done everything, like, smart intuitively um, pertaining to this case. And he's, like, trying to give her this really condescending pep talk. She said, no, I was the one who believed him. I was the one who figured it out. I did it. I should do the briefing. And during the briefing, he just keeps cutting in and undermining her. And she is done with him. The goal is to find him, but do not confront him. And um, Dr. Reedman is there and he says he's going to attempt to release her in a crowded place with uh, heavy foot traffic where a lot of different people pass through and they kind of get stuck on the fact that he referred to the virus as a her and gus doesn't (laughs) think it makes any sense and the doctor says well neither do women and i'm just like this is a really stupid male comedian joke from like forever the end of it is gus saying I hear that. So Sean says he's getting a psychic vision that it's either going to be the theater or the bus station. And the doctor says, yeah, those would both be great places, but I'm leaning towards the bus station for the heavy foot traffic and overturn. Then he starts asking about Sean's psychicness. Fascinating. I would like to dissect your frontal lobe should you pass away. 
temporal lobe. And Sean is like, sure, I can't possibly think why not. But I'm alive for now, thank goodness. So, da-da. And the doc is like, <laughs> even so, I would um, very much like a sample of your DNA. Weird. Uncomfortable. Consider it done. Gus is like, oh, do you need my amazing DNA too? And the doc is like, yeah, no, not even a little bit. Thanks, though. But I would love to get my craniometer. Is that right, craniometer? Yep. Around that giant raisinette of yours. Or is it a goober? Possibly a milk ball. Milk ball. It's a milk ball. I call milk ball. So, Sean. <laughs> after, after Doc says that, he just walks away. Possibly a milk ball, and then just walks away from them. It's, it's a beautiful um, moment. You need to watch this episode, guys. <laughs> There's n- nothing else to say. At the train station, Lassie is telling everyone that the best thing they can do is to stay calm and try to keep people from panicking. They just need to find him. And then he takes a step and we hear a crunch because he's stepped on some glass. He uses his bullhorn to uh, say things like, you need to get away from the area. There is a deadly virus. You have been exposed. And everyone starts to freak out. Not really. They like have the potential to freak out, but nobody's like running. Nothing actually happens. So Dr. Reedman walks over, looks under his shoe, pulls out the remains of a light bulb that was crushed beneath his shoe. When Sean comes up, Lassiter's like, you need to get out of here. You are not trained in covert surveillance. Also, he's going to recognize you and you're going to blow this whole thing. Go hide in the men's room. And Sean is like, fine. But it's because Gus has to tinkle and not because you told us to. They have a walk and talk. Um, They're not hiding. That's what happens. And Sean sees Dr. Millard. Mallard? Mallard? Millen? Mallon. Mallon. I wrote his name a hundred different ways (laughs) in this, so... I might call him hair plugs guy. See, okay, he doesn't even look like he's balding. He looks like he has a really terrible haircut. It's kind of like super duper long on top and buzzed all around the sides. He's got a, yeah, it's a comb over. It's a comb over to hide the baldingness. Is it? It's 100%. I think they wanted it to look like it was, but it that's not what it looked like. It looked like a really bad haircut to me. I want you to think about like my brother in high school. Before he shaved his head completely, when he when he would wear like the the short sides of his hair was short, but he would wear his hair long and forward. That was him, literally giving himself a comb over because he started balding at thirteen. But this man had front layers, like to his jaw, and they were just on the top of his head, and they were just like swooped over his. So it looked like a really bad like emo hairdo to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't. Which know. you know, like, maybe it was. Like it but looked I mean, greasy to me, but he virus. didn't look bald. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. They see him. They start to chase him. They notice that he has a box. Lassie and Juliet follow. There is chase music. Uh, dude runs into storage, makes a huge ruckus. He's in the station and loses the box. And it pops open and the vial rolls out and gets kicked about and then kicked into the air and Sean dives for it and catches it and it doesn't break. The seal is unbroken. Sean should be fine. Sean begins to call himself a hero. And Lassie is big mad. Um, There's a moment when they first start the chase when Sean and Gus launch themselves and then like O'Hara and Lassie are trying to follow there is an extra, there is a gentleman who just looks so confused and so believably like, I'm about to get run over. What is happening? <laughs> Every time I watched this episode, he was so distracting because he was so like believable and efficient in the scene. All he does is stand there and is like, oh God, I don't know where to move to not get hit. <laughs> I... <laughs> He's my favorite part. I don't think I've ever noticed that. Oh man. Oh, he was so good. I'll go back and watch it. Yeah. So um, Lassie's mad and he radios for everybody to ro- go to the second location, the theater, to make sure that the other vial isn't there. Sean was like, none of this makes sense. He was like on his way out. He was leaving without doing any of his juju magumbo. Juliet said that a couple of witnesses saw him and he was sweating really badly. And Sean said... And then Sean remembers that he was also walking with a limp. And he says, oh my gosh, he's sick. He's suffering the effects of Thornburg. I know exactly where he's going. He needs more of the cure 
and he believes that he must have some stashed for himself. Well, that's what he thought before, which is why they weren't too upset about him leaving the hospital until they found out about the extra vials. Because, like, oh, I'm sure he's got his own stash. But if he's this sick already, he needs to go back to the hospital for more antiviral. Sean has vision of Michael Aaron's side and knows where he's going. They find him in this room looking for antiviral and he turns around and he's got bloody eyes and Sean is kind of holding the vial on the other side of like the window of the room he's in. He's like looking for something. Sean knows that he was the one who released the virus in order to save his lab. Um, And in like some, some very interesting fashion, Dr. Malian said that he wasn't worried about saving his lab um, he was worried that if they didn't make an appropriate amount of the era of the antiviral, that the the Thornburg virus, I'm going to keep saying Thornburg, I can't seem to stop, the Thornburg virus would be turned into a weapon. He's like, they, they need to understand how vulnerable we are. And I was trying to highlight the risk of this thing being weaponized. Gus sympathizes in a very Gus way and says, that's not your garden variety crazy person logic. Yeah, he's, I mean, duh. If you have something dangerous that has the potential to do anything anywhere, when we know it's rare right now, but it is something that exists at least on one continent, should be... Because mm-hmm. it's a profiling racer. <laughs> Sean says... Sean's got a plan. Yeah. I'm going to trade you the cure for the other vial, the last vial of the virus. Doctor agrees to make the trade. The trade happens. Juliet takes the cure... The cooler, the doctor starts trying to inject himself with the antiviral. Juliet opens up the viral, or I'm sorry, the cooler, and the vial broke. And she cuts her finger, and she warns Sean not to come any closer. And he says, give me that back. Give me back the vial. And Dr. Mallon says, you fool. There isn't enough here to help anybody. And then he dies. Well, first he says, Victoria, two hours from here, too far. And then he dies. So Jules and Sean just have the saddest faces as they make eye contact at the end of the scene. Juliet is in quarantine and Dr. Judd Nelson (laughs) knows that she needs the antiviral. He says, yeah, it's very probable that she's going to um, get this illness from the contact she's had. But based on what we've seen with the other patients, a mask and gloves should be sufficient to protect you if you enter the dragon. (laughs) Just go into the room. (laughs) Gus is like, we need to figure out who Victoria is. Sean is instantly like, I don't think he was talking about a person. Because he's remembering the cabiny decal on the Genutech, um, like, like logo label. And he's like, isn't there? As well as the picture that that they saw of Dr. Dr. Mallon. Mallon With that cabin in the background. He's like, wait a second. Isn't there like Mm -hmm. a lake nearby? (laughs) Lasseter goes, oh, yes, Lake Victoria. It's about two hours from here. I used to practice figure skating. I mean, ice hockey there. So Sean tells Gus to stay there with Juliet. He's going with Lasseter. They're going to go to this guy's place at the glorified pond that is Lake Victoria and try to find some more antiviral. They found the cabin. Uh, And there's a Rottweiler. The background is that the doctor bought it a few years back. Um, and Sean assumes that he had bought it so that he would hide out there away from everyone else once the virus is released, and he's pretty sure that there is a stash of the antivirals in the the cabin. But the Rottweiler, and Lassie's like, I'll shoot it. No, he pulls out his gun, and Gus or Sean goes, who are you, Michael Vick? And, <laughs> and Lester goes, I'm not going to shoot him, but he doesn't know that. Sean has a plan. Lassie, do you still carry that bag of softball gear in your trunk? The next thing we know, Sean is all suited up in like umpire gear with like multiple protective gloves all over his body. And he's going to be the distraction. And he just like takes off like a shot uh, over like through this yard and the dog is chasing him. And he's like, go Lassie, go like the wind. (laughs) And then he runs screaming like a little girl and Lassie gets in the house. They found the cure. Lassie is taking it back to Dr. Judd Nelson. Sean um, has had a life-saving, life-changing event and is telling Gus all about it. 
He said that he was being chased by this dog until he realized that he had a bag of beef jerky in his pocket. And that's all that the dog really wanted. And two, in in life you never have as much time as you think. John realizes that Juliet could die and she'll never know how he feels about her. And Gus is like, so what are you going to do? John is ready. He, he heads in to talk to Juliet and... Uh, Dr. Reinman comes in and is like, Juliet does not have the virus. She's perfectly fine. She doesn't even need the antivirals. Tries to stop oh, him. Yeah, Gus is like, from, oh, can I be the one to speaking tell her? His truth. And then, yeah, tries to interrupt Sean. And Sean is like, please, this is important. Gus finally gets him to stop. And he's like, look, Juliet, you don't have the virus. It looks like you have more time than you thought. And Jules is like, yay. And Sean's like, hey, um, I was thinking I might still say my thing. And he's like, okay, so there's two kinds of kids. Actually, there's a third kid named Mikey who will eat anything. But he gives this whole (laughs) cereal box thing. He's like, there are two kinds of kids when there's a prize in the cereal box. Either you flip it over and you go straight for the toy at the bottom of the box. Or you wait and you're patient and you slowly eat bowl after bowl after bowl until you actually reach the toy. And she's like, "What what are we talking about here? And Sean says, well, I never waited. Not once. So, like, why would I wait? I didn't wait for my decoder ring or action figure. So what am I waiting for now? All I know is I don't want to miss out on the prize. There it is. Jules is still confused. She's like, what are we talking about? What are you trying to say? I, uh, I, uh, I, I, I don't know. So Lassiter comes in really happy about the news of Juliet being perfectly fine and fully hugs her and gives her kind of a body shake. And mm-hmm. um, Gus and Sean kind of leave, but Sean and Jules... Sean goes, Gus, don't say anything. But Sean and Jules make eye contact through the window of the mm-hmm. room. I don't know that you and I did that scene justice. No. We, like, we couldn't. We couldn't possibly. They had, they had so much. It was very... It was like... It was so much energy between the two because Juliet like knew what was coming but was also trying not to be like over eager because she like, already had her heart broken once. Sean had to and... say it and then he didn't say it. Now when once we finish I want to come back to this scene because there's something I don't understand. Okay. Okay. So the uh, boys are kind of uh... about to leave and they see Donnie and he's coming back from his quarantine and he's being let out and he's like Oh my gosh, thank you guys for everything. And they're like, we we got you fired and quarantined. Like <laughs> He doesn't care because he met a girl back there and she's different. Oh this time. Donnie. Oh, oh no, buddy. So She just got here from Russia and she only works nights, so they can spend all their days together. Gus is like, oh no, buddy. Um Is it possible maybe maybe she doesn't have the best of intentions, buddy? Donnie's like, no, no, no. That, this, she's different. This is this is the real thing. Okay, okay. But Gus says, mm, where's your watch? <sighs> Olga! Olga. <laughs> Good luck, Donnie. At the psych office, we are there, and, and Sean and Gus are quite happy. All of the patients have been released in good health. And Gus got Sean's hoodie dry cleaned, because this is what you do when you borrow a friend's clothes. <laughs> Sean's like, oh, thanks, bud, and then throws it on the ground. Um, Gus says... This should be wrinkled and stinky. <laughs> Gus says, all right, I've got the best idea. There's a Sydney J. Fury marathon. They're playing Iron Eagle 2, Lady Sings the Blues, and... Iron Eagle 4. Sean has a very, very excited face until the doctor comes in. And he says, well, if they're including the taking of Beverly Hills, count me in. (laughs) Sean, Sean's still confused why the doctor is there. And uh, doctor goes, a deal is a deal. And hands Sean a little, uh, a little testing cup. Sean says something about having just drank a whole bunch of fluids. And goes out to do something with this cup. And I have to stop here because if he just drank a whole bunch of fluids and he thinks he's going to be urinating in that cup, he's sadly mistaken because you don't get DNA from urine very effectively. Slash at all. And Dr. Judd Dr. Jud Nelson said, I'm not leaving here without your DNA. 
Sean, do you know what you're supposed to be doing oh, with Sean. that specimen cup? Do you? You're going to have a very I mean, strange follow-up conversation with this doctor. Hydrating is still important in that situation. <laughs> I guess I wouldn't know. Um, so Sean wanders off. But, uh, <laughs> and the doctor pulls out his craniometer and is getting ready to measure Gus's head. And he says, no, just hold still. <laughs> and Gus goes, Sean! <laughs> Dr. John Nelson is so weird and I love him so much. Oh, gosh. So a fun fact that I read about this episode is that they originally had someone else in the, in mind for the role before they miraculously got John Nelson. They were like, it was written with Crispin Glover in mind. And if you don't know who Crispin Glover is, he was in um, Back to the Future as um, Michael J. Fox's dad in Back to the Future. And... Oh, okay, okay. Yes, and he was in, like, um, the early aughts, Charlie's Angels as the thin man who doesn't speak. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah. So I love that Judd Nelson did it, and he did it weird, weird justice. <laughs> yeah. Which I think, I think Crispin Glover would have as well. Yeah. But... But he's, Definitely. I mean, we can make the Back to the Future references all we want, but it's still not at the level that the Judd Nelson references have been throughout this series. But that would explain why there is a Christopher Lloyd reference in this episode and not a, that would explain why there's a Back to the Future reference and not a... Any, uh, any Judd Nelson. Breakfast Club reference. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's go back to that scene. Gus, at the beginning of the episode, was giving Sean crap for not speaking his truth to Juliet. Why did he come in here and try to stop Sean from saying it? What? Like, why didn't he? So so instead of just letting Sean tell Juliet that he loves her and everything is fine, Gus rushes in and says, I guess you had more time than you thought. Because the reason Sean wasn't forcing the issue before is because he believes that and we've said this in a different episode, I forget which one it was, is like things are worth waiting for, for the right moment. And if if his brush with mortality or Juliet's supposed mortality being at risk right now is the only impetus of him saying anything, then he's forcing it again, just like mm. every other time. And so I think it's a big enough deal to Gus too that he doesn't want this to be the wrong time. This is like make or break. Like they can't start something and something and their lives and partnership and all this stuff just sort of go on. Like, I think the pressure is there. Yeah. Okay. And I guess, I guess even though, you know, Sean, when Sean finds out that he doesn't have to say it right then, he looks at Gus and Gus kind of like gives him permission to sit, go ahead and say it anyway. So I guess from that perspective, I can see it. And also I think when we were talking about him waiting for something that he really wanted, that was when he got with Abigail. Like, Abigail was the one who was worth waiting for. No? Kayla's making this face at me, guys. I don't, know I don't remember. Is. I don't remember when that, th the thing I was thinking of, that line I was thinking of happened. But I think oh. with the Abigail thing, because it brought up stuff with Juliet, and, like, he was talking to Henry about the Abigail thing, he was like, do you think you could have missed out on something like not acted at all mm. and actually missed out on something because of a choice you made? That's true. Sean is like a ball of anxiety, but like secretly. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I love how everybody like, like Gus, not, not so much Lassie, but definitely Henry. They're all rooting for Sean and Juliet. Yeah. Like Lassie does eventually start to root for, for Sean and Juliet, but uh, there was a moment a couple of episodes ago where he was, in fact, rooting for Juliet and um, Tall Man. So, meh. They're just children walking around outside my house. <laughs> Maybe they're getting ready for trick-or-treat next oh. week. They're planning their route. Ah. So, yeah, Judd freaking Nelson. Judd freaking Nelson. And That's we're almost there. It's the, the pressure is on. <laughs> the pressure is on. There's chemistry. Their feelings. The last episode of this season, I'm so pumped about. I'm so I'm many stressed. strong I'm stressed excitement about. moments for I'm that one. I'm stressed about this one. 
Really? Well, yeah. Those stress me out. They're scary for our people. They are scary. Not as scary as our, not as scary as the haunted episodes we've had so far, though. Oh my god, I don't like either. Like, I don't like those as much. Like, I like these ones, <laughs> but they are so much more. They're they're tense. They're dangerous for our people. You know. They are. They really are. Mm. Yeah. Did we have anything else to talk about for this episode? No, I, we didn't get any chief, and we didn't get any Henry in the proper episode. We only got Henry in mm-hmm. the flashback and we got a little bit of buzz and we got so many pineapples right in the middle of this episode yeah that was pretty sweet uh if we have nothing else i am alexis what are you and your porn stash doing in our office and i'm kaylee easy slugger what are we dating and this has been (laughs) to To the the blueberry Blueberry. psych out